This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hey, welcome everyone to this week's episode of Jackets Debrief. I guess it's the Wednesday show. Um, We kind of have these mid- week uh episodes now which we'll be doing and it's exciting because as we get closer to hockey season we might actually have hockey to talk about uh for those of you watching on the video version uh you already noticed that uh this week i've got uh, my first special guest which is my daughter here lexi (laughs) and she has brought someone with her you want to bring up riot here a little bit there's riot there's the cat (laughs) lexi is going to join us for this week's soda of the week um she doesn't join us for sunday's beer of the week because that could get me arrested but we can try the soda. I think the cat has to be put down now. Not put down in that way. That would be terrible. I mean, put Whoa, down. Don't you dare do that to my kitten. I won't do that to the kitten. All right. So let's wait a second. How does it smell? You guys tell us how it smells. No. No, you don't like the smell? No. Well, we'll see. Okay, let's taste this thing. It smells like poison. You know, I actually like it. That's very sweet. I hate the smell, but it tastes I expected good. a green apple soda from Frosty's here. I expected this to be kind of sour. Mm. I hope there's no caffeine in this. Not only there's caffeine, I think we're good. So do you like it? Are you a fan? It's good. It's good. You want a little more? I have a little more. But yeah, so we've got a good show this week. Um, a lot of big news today out of the hockey world, so we'll get to some of that. But I'm really looking forward to uh, bringing on our guest, who I think I'll bring on earlier than we thought we would in the show here, but we'll uh, we'll get rolling on that. Uh, with that, we do want to thank you, Lexi, for coming on to, to try the soda of the week. Would you recommend people buy this soda? It's a good. All right. Well, thank you very much, child. <laughs> now it's time for you to go away. Here's a quick message from our friends of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hello and welcome. My name is Brad Lieb. I am a former professional hockey player, and this is the Life After Hockey Podcast. This is the place where I'll be interviewing former players and exploring their life after hockey journeys, including their successes, challenges, and the causes that they are passionate about. So please join me on the Hockey Podcast Network every Saturday for new episodes and follow me on Twitter at Brad M. Lieb for all my podcast updates. And until then, keep going and enjoy your life. Now joining us here on Jackets Debrief, um, he is a uh, he writes for First Ohio Battery. Uh, he is the he is an instructor for U14 players for uh, Belfry Hockey here. Co-creator of Hockey's Arsenal, the newsletter which I subscribe to and would recommend you do so. Uh, and one half of the Hockey IQ podcast, Mr. Daniel Ducart. How are you doing this evening, sir? Great, Frank. How are you doing? I'm doing real well. It's been a uh, been a good day. 
we're starting to get good news about the NHL coming back. So I'm excited about that. How, um, so, so for people who don't know you or don't know what you're, don't know what you're about, what, what's your bio, what's your history with the game? Sure. So, uh, grew up in Cincinnati, played travel hockey my whole life and then, uh, moved to Columbus when I went to Ohio state, played club hockey there. And then after graduation, got pretty involved in the coaching scene. So uh, I had the good fortune to meet Daryl Belfry, who, just as a quick uh, aside for your listeners, he's kind of the preeminent skills coach in the modern NHL's client list is pretty ridiculous. Patrick Kane, Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon. But before he was the Maple Leaf skills coach, uh, he was just a youth hockey coach. So anyway, long story short, he's kind of passed along some of his teachings to um, – um, a Columbus area um, coaching staff, and we kind of in turn take his teachings and hope to, um, you know, educate the next our America's youth, so to speak. So that's where I've been uh, kind of crafting my trade for years now, coaching there. And like you said, so I write for First Ohio Battery, and uh, this past year started Cocky's Arsenal with uh, my friend Greg Reback, where we kind of break down all things hockey sense, hockey IQ and launch that podcast, which has been a ton of fun. Yeah. It's, it's cool to talk to someone who's part of this, uh, growing. I mean, I wouldn't say that Columbus is necessarily a hockey hotbed at this point, but just this growing movement of trying to develop more people in the amateur game there. I mean, you've got what you guys are doing. There's the, there's the four or five chillers in Columbus. There's more high school teams. Uh, I mean, Cam Atkinson's got his own training thing. He does. Mm -hmm. I mean, is it, it, what's it feel like right now being at that level where you kind of feel like you're you're building something? Absolutely. And, and you know, like I've been here for over a decade now and, and there's palpable growth even in the last 10 years. Um, this city, you know, it's not Detroit yet and who knows if it ever will get there, but it's definitely an underrated hockey city. Um, I think that goes for the Jackets too. I'm sure we'll get there. But, you know, the hockey youth scene, the, the Blue Jackets have only been around for 20 years, so you're now starting to get that generation of kids who can grow up and watch their heroes, and then those heroes become their coaches, and so um, there's kind of this cascade effect. So it's been cool to like live through it and work through it all, and like you said, there's plenty of different options here. Um, I mean, I'm coaching a practice tomorrow morning at 5.45 a.m. because that's when we can get ice, you know, and that's just that speaks volumes about the city because – um, there's just not enough ice, even during pandemic times, there's just, um, there, there's just so much demand. There's so much growth. So it's awesome to be, you know, a part of it. Yeah. That's something that I've talked about with people. Cause one of the constant discussions in NHL things is, oh, you know, you put this team in Arizona or something. Oh, the game's not growing there. They're really, you're right. in that there has to almost be this generational thing of, there's people who grow up watching it as kids and then for them, it's part of their life. And then their kids are the ones who start you seeing, you know, getting into the game more. I mean, cause if, if the blue jacket showed up when you were 10 or 12, that probably didn't get you into hockey. But if yeah. you, if you, you know, watch it from when you're 10 to when you're 30 and then your kid has a chance to play hockey, that's where that you kind of start handing down the game there a little bit. Absolutely. So. And I'm glad that you brought up Arizona because that's, that's, funny so Austin Matthews is like a perfect example of that I mean the NHL wouldn't have Austin Matthews if the Phoenix Coyotes now the Arizona Coyotes you know never existed he grew up watching those games and the rest is history um so that's pretty wild the other thing too is like you know we have an entire generation of people my age who grew up I'm a I'm a Blue Jackets fan now but I grew up 
the Blue Jackets weren't a team. You know what I mean? So we, there's there's an entire generation of fans who like adopted the Blue Jackets, but um, now again for kids, this is their home ground, hometown team, and that's something that we never had. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 that transition, and it's it's what Columbus is is starting to see, and it's it's nice. I mean, we're starting to see Blue Jackets that are or not Blue Jackets necessarily, but we're starting to see more NHLers that are from Ohio, from you know somewhere in in the Columbus area as far as their their development, which is a, a cool transition. So, all right, so on top of the coaching and the five forty five a.m. meet, you know, five forty five uh, uh, coachings and, and practices and all that. What what led you to say? You know what? I'm doing that. I also want to do this this podcast, and also want to do this uh, you know this newsletter thing through Substack. What what led you to want to expand even further in that? Well, I got to give my my partner in crime, Greg Revac, some love because it was really his idea to kind of start um, kind of I don't know a, a crowdsourcing sharing of ideas um, early on in the pandemic. You know, there's everyone's kind of trying to adjust to what their life's going to look like in the, in the short term, at least. And um, one of the constants that we found is that we were hopping on all these zoom calls with people to try to try to learn more. And there just seemed to be this void where, you know, not that there's, especially on the, the Substack side, um, a friend of mine, Jack Han, who used to work for the Maple Leafs, he started a Substack, and then all of a sudden you see like a lot of people kind of follow suit. So it's just a place where, you know, like-minded people can share different ideas. And I think that's what's kind of interesting is people are kind of just bouncing ideas off each other. And, and some of the ideas are related, but a lot of them are kind of independent of, of one another. And it's really led to some really fascinating growth, I think. That's that's really cool. I, I'm I'm fascinated by where this is going because something, and I was discussing this with someone the other day, uh, and I, I know I'm taking it away from hockey here a little bit, but something you notice now if you watch a football game that you didn't notice 10 years ago is how much more often guys go for it on fourth down, how much more coaches are saying, yeah, look, we're going to go for it. If you're past the 50 and it's fourth and anything less than five or six, mm-hmm. they're almost always going for it anymore. Right. And that all started 10, 15 years ago with high school coaches saying, hey, we're, you know, I, I remember there was a story about a high school coach in Texas that never punted. It was just a, a set. He didn't even have a punt play put in his playbook and never had his, his players learn it. And so part of what I appreciate about reading what you guys are doing, I'm almost starting to think, okay, are we going to start seeing that as well, where these players grow up seeing new innovative ideas and that's going to leak its way into the NHL the same way that I new innovative ideas leaked their way from high school and college ball into the NFL. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I will say though that you know hockey, for better or worse, is it's a very risk averse sport. Even just like culturally speaking, um, you know, I'll give you just an example at the youth level. Um, there's there's a lot of research that suggests really at any level that you should pull your goalie much earlier to kind of use an analogy of like a fourth line type play, or I'm sorry, a fourth down type play. And um, you know, coaches still don't pull their goalies early enough at really any level. And it's because of the optics that come along with it. So that's just like one example of, you know, even these progressive ideas that a lot of people can agree upon, like the premise of them. It's one thing to, you know, agree on a, on a, on an idea in kind of in the abstract. But then once you get on the bench and you're down by two goals and there's four minutes left and you're coaching real players, you know, it, it becomes a different conversation. Yeah, no, I understand that. And hopefully, hopefully some of the conversations like what we're having and what people who listen to us have and subscribe to your newsletter have 
if the fan bases let that go, maybe you start seeing that that change a little bit there. Um, so one question I have, and it's something that as someone who came to hockey later in life, uh, you know, always is trying to learn, always trying to be better. When you're watching a game, uh, whether it's in person, whether it's on TV, anything like that, what kind of things are you looking for to understand the game better? Or what, you know, what's a couple of things, someone who's watching a game at home when things start up here in a few weeks, or if they're watching college hockey, what's going on right now, what kind of things would they be looking for to try and understand the game better or what's happening in the game, that sort of thing? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's, it's something that's evergreen. Um, I'll say first that I think it's completely different watching a game in person versus on TV, unfortunately. Um, you can just see things differently when you're at a game. I would even break it down further than that, like depending on where you're sitting in the crowd, if you're at an NHL or a college game, you'll have a different vantage point. So that's just a, a quick anecdote or quick little side story there. But, um, you know, I grew up watching the game on TV primarily in Cincinnati, like I said, and I would say that for me, the, the best way to learn the game was for me to just pick out my favorite player or favorite players and kind of ISO cam them. Um, and NBC's done a better job of that in recent years, but you really start to realize that hockey is much more pattern-based and much less chaos than maybe it appears on the surface. So that's, that's the first thing I'd say. The other thing is, you know, it's so easy when we're watching a game to watch the puck, watch the play on the puck. Um, even, you know, I coach youth hockey and one of the, the main criticisms that every youth hockey coach has of their team is that, you know, everyone's eyes are on the puck always. Everyone's puck watching. And one of the best ways to watch a hockey game is to watch the players off the puck because that is at least, you know, two-thirds if not more of the players – have nothing to do with the immediate puck play. So if you can watch the way that they're moving in space away from the puck, I think it'll go a long way to improving the way you understand the game. Yeah, I will I will say this as, as another plug for their newsletter here, uh, the Hockey Arsenal. Um, I, what I really appreciated, there was a recent one, I forget which one it was specifically, but it was uh, talking about using, about how players use movement to maintain speed and offense and whatnot. And you guys had some great breakdowns in video, little short 15, 20 second clips. And it was really interesting to see how you have the guy with the puck coming in on one side. And then the guy that's kind of coming from behind, that's who you had to keep your eyes on because he started picking up speed all the way back here. And it was just so often you're watching on TV, you're like, oh, he came out of nowhere. And it's like, no, there was this. is This has been developing for him. And it's it's I've noticed that as well. When you're watching live, you kind of get a a better sense of it there. So. I, yeah. yeah, I see that. And it's funny, um, you know, we're a, you're a Blue Jackets podcast, so I'll bring up an example that I think is pertinent to the team. Cam Atkinson, somebody who is really talented at finding space off the puck. And that is one half of a really important equation if you want to be a successful goal scorer. Unfortunately for him, the other half of the equation is having somebody who can find you in space. And that's how he was able to put up, you know, 40 goals with Artemi Panarin. And Injuries aside, I think it's a big part of why he struggled last year. I don't think that his game necessarily fell off a cliff. More so, I think that um, the Blue Jackets struggled to find somebody that could find Cam when he popped into those favorable spots. Because so much of the game, like I said, is pattern recognition and timing. And when you're filtering new players in the lineup and all that, it's a challenge. All right. Well, that'll lead me nice well into the next thing I planned on talking about. Um, 
and I guess we'll go more specific than I originally thought, but do you think in in Domi they found a guy who can do that? Because that's one of the things I've heard about his game is he's a he's more of a pastor than a pure scorer. Um, do, do you think they've kind of found someone who might be able to do that, or or do you think they're still going to be trying to find that guy to to, to help out Cam? I think he's definitely their best bet. I would say Texier and him are really the two play drivers, uh, aside from Dubois, obviously. I, I'm actually pretty bullish on Domi. I'm not sure if he'll be instant chemistry with Cam necessarily, but between him and Bjorkstrand, Cam and Bjorkstrand, that is, I, I'm confident that he'll be able to kind of pick up and lead, like drop off where he was, especially when he was getting regular minutes, more minutes in Montreal than what he saw at the end of his time last year. Uh, I am confident, yeah, that he'll be that guy. I'm not saying that he'll be the facilitator that, you know, Panarin was. Those are not a dime a dozen, as you yeah. know. Yeah, no, um, that, that, I don't think anybody's asking him to be yeah, Panarin. Yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, you know, if you, if you were to assume that the Domi trade never happened and you plug Josh Anderson and I don't think that, um, I don't think that Josh Anderson fills that void either. So I think Domi is actually an upgrade in that sense. Uh, do you think from your perspective, uh, cause I saw you, cause you wrote the other day about trying to offer sheet, Ciarelli, offer sheet, uh, Anthony Ciarelli. Mm-hmm. How, how much more do you think the blue jackets need to do this season or, or are they even, are they better than they were last year? I think they're better than they were last year in a vacuum that assumes injury, no injury issues on the blue line. They, you know, by losing uh, Marcus Nudavara, uh, by losing Ryan Murray, you, you negate whatever depth you had on the back end. So that's something that would concern me if injuries became an issue again. Um, with that said, I think the roster overall is stronger. Are they a playoff team as currently constructed? I think so. And especially with the new alignment that was kind of, I don't know if it's official yet, but the one that was rumored I saw online today, I think that that's an easier conference than the Metro was. So I think that they're a playoff team. I don't think that they are currently constructed as a cup, as a cup contender. Um, and with that said, I don't think that Anthony Sorelli would make them that team in, in 2021. Yeah, that's, un- I mean, that's understandable. And th- it's one of those things where, so often we talk about, oh, go get this guy, go get that guy. But the the guy that's going to turn the Blue Jackets from what they are into a clear cut and above cup contender isn't really out there to be got. Right. Um, Someone like uh, Max Pacioretty, who's been rumored as of yesterday, I'm sorry, or as of the Wednesday of this week, Tuesday of this week, as a potential, um, you know, someone that the Vegas Golden Knights are shopping, that could be an interesting piece. I'm not sure how he'd fit in in Columbus, especially because that would be a trade scenario where they'd have to give up to get. Um, but you're right; that one piece on the market isn't there. And if we're being honest, you know, when Panarin was here, we had that player in Columbus, and they were still not a cup contending team. And so I think you're talking about pieces and not piece at this point. Yeah, I that that was one of the reasons I'm still so. Like I'm not bitter at Panarin for making the movie. I mean, he he's an individual. He's going to make his life choices the way he does, you know, so whatever. But just the reality of I saw last year's team and how far they went, and then you see this year's team now with what they have, and you think if Panarin's there, how much better could that team be? Um, I don't know. Uh, but um, as far as I mean, you mentioned patches. At this point, do you think they're you know really they're looking for somebody for the left wing? 
still? Because it kind of seems like they're set at center and right wing, or do you think it just doesn't matter just a high end forward anywhere you can stick them? Yeah, I mean, financially speaking aside, because who knows what this team's internal cap situation is, if at all, I don't see them making a big play on the left side this year. Um, I mean, when I wrote that Anthony Sorelli offer sheet piece, that was more like, hey, this is what I would at least consider doing. And, and I'm sure Yarmo's pretty aggressive. Kekalina is pretty aggressive. I'm sure he's at least looked into uh, making sure that Tampa doesn't get out easy here. Um, with that said, I, I can't imagine that they make a splash play on the left side at this point in the offseason, but I'm never willing to put it past Yarmo Kekalainen. <laughs> he, uh, he does like to pull the rabbit out of the hat there. Well, uh, Dan, I do want to thank you for coming on the show today. It's been it's been fun. It's been good talking with you. I think everybody who listens is going to have a little smarter time watching the next time they watch uh, hockey there. So, again, check him out at First Ohio Battery. Uh, hockey arsenal which you can sign up for is that just hockeyarsenal.com or where do people sign up for that yep and our twitter handles uh, hockey arsenal also we have a Substack newsletter that comes out once or twice a week and a weekly podcast awesome awesome thank you very much have a have a great have a great rest of your day stay safe and merry christmas yeah thanks for having me on you too take care thanks all right folks so uh yeah great conversation there i i love these conversations with people where i feel like you, you know the game a little bit better afterwards um so that was that was good I, again thanks to dan for coming on the show uh definitely go sign up for his newsletter i find it appreciate it a couple of quick things i want to hit uh, as far as news items uh looks like we're going to get a season start in january 13th to 15th uh the financial stuff's been kind of worked out from what we understand i saw a good piece from uh, emily kaplan where she mentioned because a couple of days ago the nba came out and did this thing where the league borrowed $900 million and then is splitting it amongst the teams. So the teams don't have liquidity issues with the upcoming season, which as soon as I saw that, my thought was, well, shouldn't the NHL be doing that? And uh, apparently they are, apparently they're working on it. Um, Again, the idea here is folks, NHL franchises are going to maintain most of their value. Uh, I mean, today Forbes came out with their thing and I think, NHL values technically decreased for the first time in 30 years or something, but it wasn't a lot. Um, it's the kind of thing that's going to bounce back once we get through these vaccines and get all that going. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, keep an eye on on new stuff because you'll probably be, see something saying, oh, well, the each team's getting 15 or $20 million or something, which is an important thing for businesses at this time because a, a lot of businesses, again, we I think we discussed this when it came to ownership, they just don't have tons and tons of cash. They don't have a Scrooge McDuck vault hiding in the back. So much of what they do when they spend cash is they actually just have kind of lines of credit through banks because of the value of the business. And you kind of expect the NHL to tap that this year when it comes to making it through this year, if this is a year where some owners are cash poor, which would make a lot of sense given the nature of the business right now. Um, the other very interesting thing I saw that came out today, Pierre Lebrun uh, came out with his whole uh came out with his whole uh uh description of what or not his description excuse me um he reported out what he said it looks like are going to be the four division realignment that could be happening this season i'm going to read through them real quick first of all this is the all canadian division there is a I'll call this the East, for lack of a better term, of Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, the New York Islanders, the New York Rangers, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington. 
there's a Western division, I guess we'll call it. Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Dallas, Los Angeles, San Jose, St. Louis, Vegas. And then a Central, that is Carolina, Columbus, Detroit, Chicago, Florida, Minnesota, Nashville, and Tampa Bay. That's interesting. Um, I'm very interested in what's going to happen there. If that's our division, I kind of agree with our guest here. I think that's going to help the Blue Jackets a little bit. Because when I look at the normal Metro, I mean, there's just a lot of teams that are very good in that. I'm not saying there aren't good teams in what this realigned Central will be. But as far as teams that I'm just going to say, yep, that team team right now is going to have a better record than the Blue Jackets. Tampa Bay. Maybe Carolina based on their goalie play. After that, I think the Blue Jackets are will definitely have a better record than Detroit and Chicago. Florida probably. Minnesota, who's on this kind of a rebuild thing. And then Nashville, maybe. Nashville could be really good. I mean, I, Nashville is a weird thing to get your hands around. A uh, real weird team to get a grip on right now. But I, I don't... Columbus could finish second in that division, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, again, depending on goalie play and, and again, the thing people don't remember about last year, sometimes they're talking about Columbus on the national stages. There's so many injuries, just so many injuries. So, so we'll see where it goes. Um, I'm excited. Uh, it, I, I think they were saying the board of governors called to approve everything. It may be sometime the end of next week. They really need to quit taking so long to set up these plans because if, what if that, if that board of governors vote doesn't get approved, we're getting pushed back even further. So if I'm Batman, I want it done this week or Monday because you just got to get something moving. You've got to start getting word out. The NBA is already going to be having played for a couple of weeks. The NFL is going to be in the midst of their thing. College football will be doing its championships. You don't have to worry about that too much, I guess. But but the other sports are finding ways to make it work. So you've kind of got to, to keep that relevancy, especially if you want that TV contract coming up. So Thank you all for watching. Uh, I do appreciate it. Again, like and subscribe through however you like and subscribe stuff, whether it's podcast or the video version or whatever you do. Thank you very much for watching and listening and go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief. And thank you for listening.